0: Welcome to Thrive Church Online. We are here to know God, to grow in Him, and go. We hope you feel encouraged and equipped through this week's message. Okay. Thank you, thank you. Praise God, that's awesome. I'm really excited to be here this morning. So good morning to hear, of, hear us in-house and hear of us online. Good morning. Um, I'm so thankful. Here's, pray for me, Okay. <laughs> I'm so thankful for our awesome pastors. They're not here right now, but I just want to give honor where honor is due. I actually met Pastor Adam when I was, oh, there's water, Um, when I was like 15 or 16 uh, at a youth retreat. I was sitting on a little step stool or whatever at the end of the platform. He sat down next to me and started speaking how he saw anointing on my life and how he saw the Lord working in me, and he totally freaked me out. Um, (laughs) I I was like, what? But also, it confirms some things that the Holy Spirit was speaking to my heart already. And so I'm so thankful to be here today at Thrive Church. I get to work with Pastor Adam, Pastor Tracy, but also I get to be here with you and worship together this holy, awesome God that we have. And I just want to say thank you to our awesome pastors who leads us so well in a place where we can come to know God, where we can go and grow in Him and then go and reach people for the gospel. Can we just honor our pastors? Praise God. So thankful for them. Uh, We're in a series right now called "The Summer in Psalms," and I love it. It has been such an encouraging message, starting from um, week one with Jay and giving us that word of like the storm and how God is an anchor in the middle of a storm. And then J C. bringing that word of it's you have a unique voice that the Lord wants to use. So go back and listen to that one. And if Pastor Adam he spoke last week, right? If you've not heard his message about like you call out to God, He answers you. Call out to God. Trust in God. He will, he will answer you. I love that message. If you have not heard one of these messages, I want to encourage you, you can go back, listen to those podcasts. The Lord has something for you in those words. I don't, I don't want you to miss out. Um, I will say, right from the very beginning, just hearing the title, and pardon me as I catch my breath, but just hearing that title of Summer in Psalms, my heart stirred up because I love the Psalms. I love the Psalms. Uh, I would say probably my favorite, my, like my life verse, is Psalms 57 7. And it says, My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make melody. And the Psalms are just filled with these beautiful pictures um, pictures of God responding in our need, and then we responding to God in worship because of how awesome and how overwhelmingly loving he is. We see it over and over again. He meets us. When we cry out to God, he's faithful to meet us in whatever mess or situation we find ourselves in, he is right there. And I remember one time I was asked what the difference between a little g Islamic idea of God is and who this amazing creator of the universe, God we serve as Christians, as believers, what the difference between those two ideas is, right? And it's his character. Hands down, it's the character of God. He is the one that has never left you, that he has never forsaken you, that he's always with you, that he gave his only begotten son, that you wouldn't have to perish, that you wouldn't have to die, but live in him. And one of, uh, yeah, amen, right? Yeah, one of the reasons um, our response to this awesome God is or should be, and it should always be, it should be worship, right? It should be this. Um, In whatever circumstances we find ourselves in, it's always the right response. And one of the reasons why my heart resonates so much with Psalms is because I see my life in it. I see the pictures uh, throughout the entire book. It seems like religion has really taught us that it's not okay to feel that heaviness sometimes that life just kind of throws at you. But the reality is David, who wrote uh, most of the Psalms, a majority of them, right, experienced these same emotions, these swings from really high places to really low places. He experienced that. So if a man after God's own heart experienced these swings of emotion, surely we're in good company. Um, We're not alone in these things. And throughout many of the chapters, you see this pendulum swing of, oh, God, please help me. I am dying to, I will exalt the Lord at all times, right? You see this pendulum swinging back and forth. And David has those highs and low moments but he shows us what to do in it. In the middle of the storm, what is our response? In the middle of chaos and swirling emotion, whether we caused it ourselves or the world is against us or someone specifically is against us, what is our response going to be in those moments? I'm looking at Psalms 57 this morning, and I want to quickly define first what worship is, but mostly I want to talk about how Worship is always the right response, and we see that in this psalm. And throughout Scripture, we see that truth. So just really quickly, I want to answer this question. What is worship? What is it? Um, I love worshiping the Lord in song, and the Word of God literally tells us to do that, right? But at its core, it is not about singing, and it is not about your ability to play an instrument. So we can all breathe deeply. It's okay. If you don't sing, that's not what it's about. It is more about, it it is about your heart. The posture of your heart. Many of the words that were translated as worship in the Bible literally mean to bow down, to lay face down, prostrate. This could be physically, right? But it's always the posture of our heart. It's always the posture of our heart. To be in this position towards God, and maybe sometimes our knees too, right? Like maybe we need to physically bow down be like, God, I am losing it right now, but you are king. So sometimes that physical posture is there too, but it's always our heart posture towards the Lord. In English, this word breaks down to worship, to ascribe worth to something, and you can worship or ascribe worth to anything, and we do. Um, I ascribe worth to my relationship with my husband. It's not a bad thing, right? But it's what we ascribe the most worth, it's what we put first that makes it uh, makes it worship, and it. Whatever we put most or the majority of our attention on is what we worship. And that should be Jesus. That should be the Lord. Um, In the thing that comes up in life, if we dwell on the issue or the fear that comes up, right, or something more than the creator, we are giving that thing more worth. We're giving that thing the worship that really only belongs to a holy God. Um, Because the right response, whatever the situation is, is to worship our awesome God. And the only thing our hearts should be bowing down to is God, not a diagnosis, not a financial loss, not a broken relationship, not any of these things. Our our attention should be on God. And so when these things happen, God can heal all of those things. But first, we go to God and worship Him. But first, we put our attention on Him. Our response is going to be worship. We have to choose that response even before we get in the situation. I'm choosing that my response will be worship. And that brings us back to Psalms 57. And there are three stanzas, three sections of the Psalms. And here's the first Psalms 57, one through three. Be merciful to me, O God. Be merciful to me, for in you my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wings I will take refuge till the storms of destruction pass by. I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. He will send from heaven and save me. He will put to shame him who tramples on me. And as I was first reading that opening line of God be merciful to me, and mercy is when God holds back. Some kind of punishment that we really do deserve, right? But instead, he extends mercy. I thought, how many times have I put myself in a position where I, I've brought on that storm and I'm asking for mercy because I really, I kind of deserve it, right? I put myself there, but I'm asking for mercy. And this, this is kind of a, a silly example. I may have, I don't have any experience in this, but it would be like if I ate the leftover birthday cake and the ice cream that was in the fridge and maybe like that last bag of oreo cookies that was in the cupboard right and then my stomach gets really upset i put myself in this position i did i did this to my own self right but then we cry out to god oh god please heal my body like be merciful to me i okay maybe i have done that but <laughs> so like this is a real thing we put ourselves in this position and that's kind of a you know a silly but real ex- it's true true example or we are also called to sabbath right to rest in the Lord. And how many times have I decided that my tasks are more important than that Word of God, than that to to rest in Him? How many times have I decided to just white-knuckle through it and drink some more coffee, get that caffeine pump in, instead of obeying God and resting in Him? And thus, I have put myself in a stormy position (laughs) because I've not rested like I should. We put ourselves in bad positions sometimes, right? David himself experienced this. David had an affair with a lady, uh, Bathsheba, and she becomes pregnant. And then King David has her husband murdered. And then he goes, he's he's just about really to set himself up for this massive storm, right? But then the prophet comes and he gets convicted and he repents, but he's still in a storm. And here's for why. The child that Bathsheba was pregnant with died. But in If you go and you read that story, it's in 1 Samuel 11, 11 and 12. The child dies, but David gets up and goes into the house of the Lord and worships. The decision of what his response was going to be was already there. He went back and he worshiped the Lord. Even in the middle of the storm, even in the midst of something he brought on, even himself, right? Even in the midst of tragedy, the first thing David does is worship. And when we put ourselves in a bad position, the psalmist says, I will cry out to God. He opens the psalm with, Be merciful to me, O God. And God is waiting to show us mercy. In Isaiah 3018, therefore, the Lord waits to be gracious to you. And therefore, he exalts himself and shows to show mercy to you. He wants to show mercy to you. He I will come to the Lord and put my attention on him. And he, God, will send from heaven. And he will save me. He will put to shame him who tramples on me. We're experiencing a storm, but the word says that our response is, I will take refuge in him. I will cry out to him. This is worship. When we put our attention on Jesus, recognizing he is where our help comes from. And in all of this, you see this phrase at the end of verse 2. The God who fulfills his purpose in me. The God That God has a good plan in all of it. In all of this, he has a good plan for you, and he will fulfill his purpose. Our response, knowing that God is our refuge, knowing that God is our Savior, that he will fulfill his purpose, our response to that is worship, that bowing down to the one who can handle whatever comes against us. He brings about his purpose for me, and so I'm going to worship. My response is worship. In between sections of Psalms, you'll see this word, Selah. And it means to pause, to think about it, right? So think about this. He brings about his purpose for me. I'm going to worship. Selah. And in the second section, Psalms 57 starts with this. God will send out his steadfast love and his faithfulness. Can we just pause there? David starts this next section again with worship. Recognizing God's steadfast love and faithfulness. Steadfast means unwavering. And we're called to start our days, whether we are in really high places and excited about what God is doing, or we are in the pits. We are called to start our day with our attention on God and his steadfast love and his faithfulness. Pastor Adam said this one time, this thing that separates religion and relationship is emotion. And so emotion is not this negative thing. Emotion can be awesome. It's a gift from God. Relationship with God is not dry. Um, there are emotional moments to it. It's not a routine experience, right? His goodness should be overwhelming to the senses. He speaks to you in that still, small voice or meets a need that you've been waiting and praying on for an age. He meets you there. Wow, God is awesome, and you feel it. Um, and you maybe will say, well, well yeah, I'm going to worship God when it, when, it, when it's there, when I'm in those high places, right? It's easier to worship when everything's good. But sometimes when things are going well, we forget. We actually forget to give God the glory. It's just as much of a bowing down of your attitude to worship God in those moments as it is when life is really tough. Um, When things are great, we don't have that negative external reminder to put our attention on him. But whatever the external, whether it is joy and great and awesome or it is despair, our attention should be on Jesus. It's just as important in those high moments uh, because he's still worthy and his hand is on your life and he is where every blessing comes from. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father. So if you're in a mountaintop, God's steadfast love, Is there, worship him. If you are in a place where it feels hard to take a breath, God's steadfast love is there, worship him. After David recognizes and gives attention to God's steadfast love and faithfulness, then David tells us about how his soul feels like it's amidst fiery beasts. And it says this My soul is in the midst of fiery beasts, the children of man whose teeth are spears. Arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. There are seasons in life where it just seems like your very soul is under attack. That you're in the midst of lines. You just got that report back and it just goes so against what you thought God was about to do. And it's that moment when you're laying, it feels like you're laying down among fiery beasts that you choose to worship the Lord. Or maybe people are talking about you, telling lies with like tongues that are sharp as swords and cuts, cuts you deeply. What are the responses going to be in those moments? Um, I was homeschooled, uh, and I was the poster child of what a home- homeschooler. Uh, I was the poster child of what a homeschooler would have looked like, and so <laughs> I loved ruffles and lace. And so when I came to church on Sunday morning, I was like. Bye-bye. I had my big fluffy skirts. My mom was a seamstress. Kudos to her. And she made me the most amazing dresses. Well, one Sunday, the week before, I had met some people in my Sunday school class, some some other girls. I was so excited that I had made some friends. And on that Sunday morning, I came in ready, dressed to the nines, and I was going to sit with my new friends. I was so excited, right? So I go in and I sit on my little row with my girls. And when I sit down, they stood up, and they changed seats. Yeah, that was my reaction. And so, you know, like, it, I was hurt. It cut deeply. I, I didn't understand. And then Grapevine gets around in Sunday school, right, that the reason why they moved is because I was just so unfashionably dressed that it was too embarrassing to sit with me. So they moved seats. And that's just, you know, a piece, a moment of a piece of my story From a young age, I questioned whether I was good enough, whether I would ever have friends that wouldn't just get up and leave. And if I wasn't cool enough or pretty enough, whatever enough. But an even younger Liz had been in a Sunday school uh, and my Sunday school teacher told me that when we lift our hands to Jesus, it's because he first lifted his hands for us on the cross. So with that, I had already chosen What my response was going to be, though, that word that getting up and changing seats cut my heart as a little person, right? Um, But my response was going to be worship, because every time I feel like I have someone that's leaving or like a friend that's forsaken me, I go to the friend that never forsakes. I go to the to the God who made me in the first place, and I was gonna. I knew that He was gonna be there and that He would never leave me. And you may be like, well. Liz, I don't sing because for me, I I really learned how to pray in in singing. So like when I was hurting, I would go and sing and worship and kind of journal and things like that, right? And that was my connection point with the Lord. And you're like, I don't sing. Well, that's okay. That's not what it's about. The point is, who do you go to when it's just too heavy? (laughs) Who do you go to when your friend leaves you? And do you have that friend that's close to them and brother? Hmm. It should always be that response, right, in these moments when we're feeling hurt, to go to the Lord and worship, let's worship him. The Lord takes away, let's worship him. You don't even know what he's protecting you from. (laughs) If the Lord gives, let's worship him, he's so worthy. In this Psalm, David goes back to worshiping and he says, be exalted, O God above the heavens, let your glory be over all the earth. He was just laying down with lions. He was—he was just laying down with lions, but now he's putting—he's refocusing, putting his attention back on God. Is who it's over—who is over it all? Recognizing that God is above all, you can be secure knowing that He's bigger than the attack that you are facing. We can go into storms, recognizing His steadfast love. He's that anchor that Jay was talking about from the first week. Um, the truth is, His faithfulness. We keep coming back to this truth that in the middle of it. God is bigger. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. David continues, they set a net for my steps. My soul was bowed down. They dug a pit in my way, but they've fallen into it themselves. So this, even when people have set traps for you, the word says, but they have fallen into it themselves. So you keep looking up. You keep praising God. The God who is above your situation, David points us to looking to our God who is above the heavens. He is higher. He is bigger. God will send out his steadfast love and save you. His faithfulness is there to meet you. May our response be to worship and to worship whatever may come. Selah. And in this, this third section of Psalms 57, it's the last section, right? David is closing out with praise knowing that God is above it all. My heart is steadfast, oh God. My heart is steadfast. So the section before, David describes how God's heart, how God's love is steadfast. And now David's talking about himself. My heart is steadfast. My heart is steadfast. Just like we said earlier, steadfast means that unwavering, that planted. It's, it's a description of a person who is firm and determined in belief. You are digging in. You are unwavering. David knows who God is. When we know how big our God is, how nothing is outside of his scope to handle, we can be steadfast. My heart is steadfast because it's connected to an anchor, just like Jay was saying. But do you know? Do you know? Do you know how big God actually is In Genesis 1.1, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and God said, Let there be light, and there was light. In Psalms 33.6, it says this, By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth, all of their hosts. I saw this example once. This golf ball, imagine with me, is the earth. Okay, If this is the earth, the sun... From that speaker to that speaker is about 15 feet. The sun is 15 feet in diameter. So can you imagine like a circle with me that's that big? It doesn't actually fit in this building. Like that's how wide it is, but it's a circle, right? Can you see it? Holy wow. When I measured this on Thursday, I was like shocked because I I hadn't seen the example, but to be in the middle of the circle and be like, this is the sun and this is the earth. This is tiny and I'm on this. (laughs) Which I'm even smaller. I'm, this is the Earth, and we think when I think of the planet, I think, "Wow, the planet's so big." I haven't traveled any of it, you know. And we're on this, and this is just the sun. You read through the rest of Genesis one, and you see God said, and then there was. But just looking at the first day, seeing the sheer magnitude of the sun, not to mention that the sun is only one of billions of millions of stars that God has created. Wow. God spoke it and it was. So when we say that God is bigger, the God of the heavens, who cre- the one who created it and me on this, when we say that he's bigger, he's bigger. Like he's so much bigger. For this reason, my heart can be steadfast. There's good reason. There's good reason for our heart to be steadfast. In Psalms 57, 8 and 9, it says, awake, Awake, my glory. Awake, O harp and lyre. I will awake the dawns. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the nations. The peoples, I will sing praise to you among the nations. It's because David knows. David knows how big the creator of the universe is and that he can take care of his needs. It's because he knows. Do you know in all of the vast galaxies that God has made, he sees you. And he says, I love you. And he says, I choose you. That's the God that we can be confident in. That's the God that says, my heart can be steadfast. That's the God that I can be secure in and be steadfast in. Our hearts can be steadfast in the knowledge that he is more than able. And that is not a trite lyric. That is a truth that will change your life forever. Here's how David closes this last piece of Psalms. He says, For your steadfast love is great to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. Can our response be this morning to worship him? Recognizing that he is above it all. He is above it all. And I want to encourage you this morning that whatever situation you find yourself in, God is here, and God is big, and God is able to meet your need. I want to encourage you, if you've not lifted your hand ever in worship, go a little deeper. The word says to lift up holy hands in this place and God is so much bigger God is so much bigger than the fear that says oh I don't want to do that God is so much bigger than the thing that you're facing at work or at home would you close your eyes for just a moment if you've recognized this morning that you don't know Jesus but you want to Because maybe before you didn't know that Jesus died on the cross for you. That the sin has been paid for by him. And he is saying this morning, you are called and I choose you. I love you. And if you want to be in relationship with Jesus, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand in this place. Raise your hand online if you want to be in relationship with Jesus. And you've never done that before. Let's pray together. we don't do things here alone at Thrive and I want to encourage you to to pray this along with me as people are coming to know Jesus Father God please forgive me of my sin and make me right with you I choose to trust you that you are king and I am not thank you for choosing me for your steadfast love And help me to be steadfast in you. And that's in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. If you pray that prayer, we want to know about it. We want to celebrate with you and get you plugged into these next steps. Um, You can get with a leader if you're here this morning. Or you can email at amen at thrivechurchonline.com. And I just want to leave that parting word of like God is bigger. And He desires your attention. He desires you to be in a right and close relationship with you. He loves you so much. He's chosen you to be in that close relationship with Him. Don't ignore Him. He loves you so much. Thank you for being part of our Thrive Tribe. If you want to partner with this ministry and what the Lord is doing here at Thrive, visit thrivechurchonline.com and click on the Give tab. Help us reach more people just like you by rating and subscribing to this podcast. You don't want to miss what's coming next.